0: where my handle is at Turkey Hitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 242, Early Summer Turkey Soup. And I am your host and the guy who, apparently, is delusional about his hunting abilities. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute. But right now, we are 276 days, 8 hours, 9 minutes, and 18 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So most of you guys listening to the show know that I always love to hear from you anytime you've got something nice to say about the show, or a show suggestion, topic suggestion, guest suggestion, whatever that may be, or even constructive criticism. Like, in the past, many of you have said, hey, love the show, love the content, but at times the audio is a little bit sketchy. So, you know, I've worked on that kind of stuff. Well, believe it or not, in my now five plus years of hosting and producing this show, it wasn't until this week that I got trolled. Yeah, it's taken a long time to get trolled, but I did. I got trolled this week. So I actually got trolled on the Podbean application by a listener of the show who commented about last week's hunt. Well, more or less what happened during last week's hunt and his conclusions about all of that. So I'm going to read the comment for you guys. And the main reason I'm even bringing this up is because we have the ability today to have our voices heard. And we have the ability today, because of social media and other outlets just like that, to be openly critical of others. And that's fine and dandy. That's great. You know, really, we are all entitled to our own opinions, but when it comes to expressing our opinions of another hunter's abilities or quality of their trophy or method of hunting, as long as it's legal, of course, I think we need to keep our opinions to ourselves. Now, this listener's comment on the episode doesn't bother me at all. I mean, seriously, I've gotten a lot worse from people who mean a lot more to me than A listener I don't know. I come from an Italian and Lebanese background. Now, if you know anything about those two nationalities, then you probably know that people of those nationalities can be extremely opinionated and strongly opinionated on things. So, since I've been around that for my entire life, I've got a pretty thick skin. So, again, the comment doesn't bother me, but I want to address it. I want to read it, and I want to address it, because I think that comments like this, when they're put out there on someone's website, about a blog article, on Facebook about someone's picture of their trophy, or how they're hunting an animal, or anything like that, on YouTube, on a video that they have put out there, I think we need to really be careful of what we say. So, here's the comment, and... I've kind of debated on whether or not I'm going to give the name of the person who put the comment in there. But this person put the comment on there and their name is posted right beside it. So really, I don't feel like I'm calling anybody out. So a couple of days ago, D. Phillips that is this listener's username, posted a comment on episode 241, which was last week's episode about the apple orchard turkey. And D. Phillips 1916 says, you say you are a turkey killer, then why didn't you leave the guide in the truck, LOL? You listened to all of his commands because you were desperate to kill a turkey. Even if I was too lazy to find my own turkeys and paid to hunt private land, I would not let someone else do the calling, period. Even if legal requirements require the guide to be with you, on the property. Nothing says you have to let the guide do the calling or direct the setups. I think you're delusional on your hunting abilities and the difference in doing the U.S. slam on your own and hiring guides or Piggybacking others to their spots in their states cannot be overstated. Kind of like the first people to climb Everest and the huge lines of people standing on the mountain waiting their turn that happens now. A huge amount of work and determination for the first ones and then a bunch of people paying to follow the leader lessens the whole thing in my opinion. So I'm going to go through D. Phillips' 1916s comment line by line, because I really feel like we, before we throw something out into the world for everyone to see, should really think about our comments long and hard before we put them out there. So the first sentence, you say you're a turkey killer, and killer is in parentheses, then why didn't you leave the guide in the truck, lol? Well, D. Phillips, 1916. I actually have on several hunts, but I didn't on this hunt. And here's one of the reasons why. So this guide is actually in pursuit of the U.S. Super Slam himself. This guide helps a bunch of hunters every year kill a turkey. This guide could possibly be the best turkey hunter the United States. But if I don't hunt with him, I'll never know. This guide could teach me two or three things that I don't know about turkey hunting. But if he doesn't hunt with me, I'll never learn them. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm always happy to learn something about turkeys or turkey hunting. And for some reason, I get the sneaking suspicion that maybe you are too. Because if you knew it all, I'm not real sure you'd be listening to this podcast. Next sentence. You listen to all his commands because you were desperate to kill a turkey. I'm going to be quick on this one because it doesn't deserve much time. We were two hours into a three-day hunt in New York and I was desperate to kill a turkey. That doesn't really add up to me, but okay. I mean, maybe you can say you'd watched your buddy Chip kill a turkey and then you found out John killed a turkey and so now you're desperate to kill a turkey. Well, again, we're two hours into a three-day hunt in New York. There's no desperation at all in my brain or actions at that point in time in addition if and hopefully when one of your hunting buddies invites you to hunt with him or her on their hunting property are you going to jump out and immediately start bossing that friend around you're on that friend's property that friend invited you to join him or her i think out of respect for that friend, you're probably going to play along for a little while with that friend instead of bossing that friend around. When I go on a guided hunt, I have been invited to go. That may sound crazy to you because I'm paying that guide to take me hunting. How could I be invited to go? Well, it's just as easy as this. The good, reputable, Outfitters, well, they don't have to have you or me come and hunt with them because there's someone else out there who will book that block of days with them. So I'm being invited to hunt with them because they have limited availability. Yes, I'm paying them, but I am their guest. And i also have to remember, and hopefully you'll remember this too, D. Phillips 1916, when an you. Ever in your life go on a guided trip, I am a paying customer and their boss at the same time. There's a delicate balance between being a guest and being someone's boss on the same trip. And for me to get out of the truck and start bossing around the person who has scouted turkeys for, oh, 20 days before I ever got there and tell him what he needs to be doing... And what I need to be doing, that's not getting off to a good start with anybody that you've got to spend the next three days with. There's an old saying among guides, and if you really want to tick off a good guide, you'll do what they're going to tell you not to do, which is don't guide the guide. And I'm telling you from experience, the last thing you want to do within the first few minutes of jumping out of the truck on a guided hunt is to guide the guide because, and I've seen this firsthand in Missouri, when you tick off the guide, you will be garhold. Don't think for a second that they won't do it. Don't think for a second that they don't do it. And don't think for a second that they can't do it. A guide can make or break your trip with one left turn of the steering wheel to take you to the wrong piece of hunting property. So, I'm not leaving the guide in the truck, even though that was kind of funny. It almost made me laugh. And, I'm going to give the guide a shot. I need to know if this guy really is as good a hunter as he says he is. Next sentence. If I was too lazy to find my own turkeys, and I'm assuming right here you're insinuating that I'm too lazy to find my own turkeys. And paid to hunt private land. I would not let someone else do the calling, period. Well, D. Phillips, 1916, I say that's great, but I need to ask you a question. Have you ever hunted with a very close friend or a loved one, maybe a son or daughter, nephew, brother, dad, mother, anyone, and had that person call a turkey in for you? If you have, then I'm just gonna throw one word out there, and it starts with an H and ends with hypocrite. Bottom line is, I've called in a bunch of turkeys for myself, for my buddies, for people who've killed their first turkeys. I don't need to call another one in. If I die tomorrow, then I'm dying a happy man. I'm satisfied. Now, do I want to call another one in? Absolutely, that's a great deal of the fun in turkey hunting. Do I have to call another one in? Buddy, I've been there and done that. I don't have to. In fact, I don't have to kill another turkey. I've been there and done that. I would love at some point in time nothing more than to have my dad call a turkey in for me and me to never have to call. I would love nothing more at some point in time for one of my nephews or my son to call in a turkey for me and me never have to pick up a call. It would be an honor. It would be a pleasure. I would love to have the opportunity to hunt with somebody like Preston Pittman or Steve Stoltz and have them call in a turkey for me. Now, would I also love to turn the table and call in turkeys for them as well? You betcha. But I don't have to call a turkey to kill a turkey. I've killed a bunch of turkeys by myself where I never called. If you are only killing turkeys that you're calling, that's great. That's your prerogative. But you've got no reason to judge anyone who doesn't. I've got a saying that I like to say, and that is, there are two kind of people in this world. There are killers, and there are everybody else. Don't be everybody else. If you are only killing turkeys that you call to, you're no killer, and you've got No right to question whether me or someone like me is a killer. Killers will kill when given the opportunity to do so. Everybody else, even those who pick and choose how they kill, are not killers. Oh, and if I'm going to let a Preston Pittman or a Steve Stoltz or my dad or son or nephews call a turkey in for me, and I say to a guide, I don't want you to do the calling. I like to do all the calling myself, then I'm being a bit of a hypocrite, aren't I? I'll let one of my hunting buddies call a turkey in for me, but I won't let a guide call a turkey in for me. That doesn't make much sense to me. Next sentence. Even if legal requirements require the guide to be with you on the property, nothing says you have to let the guide do the calling or direct the setups. You're exactly right, but I'm going to go back. And touch on one thing then we're moving to the next sentence what if this guide is the best turkey hunter in the united states and he teaches me something either about calling or about setting up if it makes me a better turkey hunter i win next sentence i think you're delusional now i'm going to read that part again i think you're delusional on your hunting abilities and the difference in doing the u.s slam on your own and hiring guides or piggybacking others to their spots and their state cannot be overstated. All right. D. Phillips 1916, you may be correct. I may be delusional about my hunting abilities. I mean, after all, all I've ever done was tell you guys I'm an average turkey caller. And after all, if you go back and re-listen to 241 episodes, because this is episode 242, and you're about to not hear it again, you've never heard me say, I am the best turkey hunter, or I am in the top 10% of turkey hunters, or I'm in the top 50% of turkey hunters, or I'm in the top 90%. Of turkey hunters, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, there's no way to judge it. Unfortunately, I'm never going to have the opportunity to hunt with each and every turkey hunter around, it's not going to happen. Also, how do you quantify a statement like that? There is absolutely no way to do it. I have guests on this show that I'm going to bet, and I'm going to swear, and I'll make the statement right now that they are much better turkey hunters than I am. When I say I'm a turkey killer, and by the way, I didn't say that last week. I have said it in a previous episode, and I'll talk about that in a second, but last week what I said is I am a stone-cold Killer. I don't care if that's a turkey or a white tailed deer or a gray squirrel or a Tweety bird that's eating my tomatoes or a chipmunk that's digging up my wife's flowers in the yard. I don't care if it's a raccoon digging in a turkey nest. I don't care if it's a possum digging in my trash. When I get the opportunity to kill, whether it's for food or to protect myself, which thank God I've never had to do in a hunting situation, Or my property, I'm going to tell you, nine times out of ten, whatever it is that's in my sights is in trouble. Because if I don't kill, it's only because I've missed. And I need to touch on the topic I brought up just a second ago about calling myself turkey killer. So, I know you guys have all heard of negative talk. Negative talk is when we talk to ourselves and we say stuff to ourselves like, oh, that was dumb can't believe I did that. Man, I'm such a DA. Well, personally, I don't like doing that to myself because I'm not a DA and I'm not dumb. I may do some things that are not very smart from time to time and I already know that will never change. But I try very hard to refrain from calling myself a name, a negative name. So why would I call myself turkey killer? Well, I want to be a turkey killer when I grow up. Why not start now? And I, just like Bill Clinton, think that if we tell ourselves something enough, then it will become the truth. So why not call myself turkey killer? It's better than calling myself handsome or genius, because those are two things I have no chance of achieving. Being a turkey killer is something I do have a chance of achieving. In D. Phillips 1916, I'm not here to judge you. If you wanna call yourself something other than Turkey Killer, even though you may not be at that level that you want to be at yet, then you call yourself anything you want to. For me, in my mind, I'll always be Turkey Killer. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. Okay, Google, what's my name? Your name is Turkey Killer. Hmm, maybe there's something to this now. Now I'm going to move on to the next part of that sentence where you say, and the difference in doing the U.S. slam on your own and hiring guides or piggybacking others to their spots in their state cannot be overstated. Okay, I think I'm going to make one statement here that pretty much is going to make That part of your sentence there, moot. And that is, I'm not doing the U.S. Super Slam for people to think that I'm one of the best turkey hunters in the world. I don't care if people think I'm one of the best turkey hunters in the world. I'm doing the U.S. Super Slam because I want to do the U.S. Super Slam. I started this process in 2002, which, again, I might be wrong, but I believe is before anyone ever finished it. I never once thought I would be the first one to finish it. I never once tried to be the first one to finish it. I'm not doing the U.S. Super Slam for recognition at all. If I was, I'd be recording my kills with the NWTF, but I'm not. I'm doing the U.S. Super Slam for me because I love turkey hunting. And second to turkey hunting, I love to travel. Those two things are my drivers and my reasons for wanting to complete the U.S. Super Slam. For even starting the U.S. Super Slam. I don't have a t-shirt that I wear around. I don't have a sticker on my window of my truck. I don't have anything in the intro or outro of this show that says I'm doing a U.S. Super Slam to prove to everyone that I am one of the best turkey hunters in the world. I enjoy hunting with my buddies from college. I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy hunting with other people. If you don't enjoy those things or you are doing a U.S. Super Slam for another reason, Maybe it's to prove to everyone that you're a great turkey hunter. More power to you. Those are your reasons. Keep them to yourself. No one on Facebook. No one on YouTube. No one on Instagram. No one on Twitter. No one on any blog. And no one listening to this show cares. Except you and those that are closest to you. Knock yourself out. Oh, and now before I move on, I do have to say that yeah doing a u.s super slam on public land all public land all over the u.s if it's truly on your own and you are not talking to someone like dave owens or someone like jeff buds or someone like Doc Weddle, or a biologist in the state that you're going to hunt, or a game warden in the state that you're going to hunt, or the person who is over that wildlife management area or national forest that you're going to hunt, and you don't talk to anyone at the NWTF that might be able to give you some information on where to go to hunt, then At that point in time, you're doing the U.S. Super Slam on your own, and yeah, that's pretty impressive. But I'll bet you the $37 that I have in my wallet right now that you're not doing the U.S. Super Slam on your own. You've got people who are helping you some way, somehow, some shape, some form, or some fashion. Now, does that lessen what you're doing? In your eyes, it does. And mine? No. Call the state biologist for the next state that you're going hunting in. Get recommendations from him or her on places to go. Call the biologist who's over the wildlife management area or state forest or national forest that you're going to go hunt next year. And get some recommendations of places to go. I don't think less of you, but if you are doing that, you are not doing it. And you can't see me right now doing air quotes. You are not doing this U.S. Super Slam air quote on your own. Next sentence. Kinda like the first people to climb Everest and the huge lines of people standing on the mountain waiting their turn that happens now. I'm going to go ahead and read the next sentence. A huge amount of work and determination for the first ones and then a bunch of people paying to follow the leader. Okay, since your comment is directed at me, I'm going to address this personally and then address it from a little bit of a different angle. I never once claimed I was going to be the first one to do a U.S. Super Slam. I never said that I was going to be the first person to do a U.S. Super Slam on all public land. It doesn't mean that much to me. Do I think it's harder than doing it with guided hunts? Yeah. Do I think it's harder to do a U.S. Super Slam on public land than it is on private land? Sure. Yeah. But I've never made the claim I am doing The hardest U.S. Super Slam. Not once did I ever say that. In addition to not doing the Super Slam for recognition of people thinking I am a great turkey hunter, I'm not doing the Super Slam alone. I'm doing the Super Slam as a group. Even though I've now hunted and killed in about five or six states more than my group of college buddies because I like extending my season and I like hunting any opportunity that I can get, and I like to make opportunities to go hunt, good Lord willing, if I finish this Super Slam, and I finish it before the rest of my group does, I have not finished the Super Slam. Yep, you heard me right. Even though I may kill in all 49 states before the last person does in my group, I have not completed my U.S. Yes, Super Slam. So if you are looking for a new level of difficulty in completing your Super Slam, then go find three buddies who have the means and the abilities to complete the task that you get along with well enough to spend time with in all 49 states and complete your Super Slam that way. Then let me know if my way of completing the Super Slam meets your approval as to its level of difficulty. No, no, scratch that. Because your thoughts and opinions about my Super Slam don't matter to me. I could care less how you feel about my Super Slam. Quit trolling people. You are not better than anyone else who's trying to go and complete their Super Slam. I am not better than anyone else who's trying to go and complete their Super Slam. And finally, think about the last raise you got at work. Are you the first person to ever get a raise in pay with the company that you work for? If not, kind of lessens the whole thing in my opinion. Think about your firstborn child. Were you the first person to have a child? No? Well, kind of lessens the whole thing in my opinion. Think about the first turkey you ever killed. That was pretty exciting times, wasn't it? Well, were you the first person to ever kill a turkey? No? Well, kind of lessens the whole thing in my opinion. Think about the first turkey that you killed out of state on public land. Quote, unquote, on your own. Were you the first person to do that? I don't think so. And it kind of lessens the whole thing in my opinion. D. Phillips, 1916, I'm going to leave your comment on the page for episode number 241F, Apple Orchard Turkey. I'm not deleting it because, hey, you're entitled to your opinion. Very last thing you say in your comment is in my opinion. But I'm going to ask you and I'm going to ask everyone listening to this show to please not troll any other hunters. We have enough enemies out there and people criticizing us out there that we do not need to be our own enemy, and we do not need to be critical of other hunters. If they're doing something illegal, well, we all know they're not hunters. And if we know them to be doing something illegal, then I feel like we owe it to all of the other hunters to report that person or those persons. But we don't need to be trolling each other, and we don't need to be making comments that aren't very well thought out, and we don't need to be hypocrites if we can help it. And, you know, Again, I'm not perfect. At times, I'm sure I'm a hypocrite, but I put forth effort to not be. And one last thing, D. Phillips, 1916. I've read your comment, I think, two or three times here, and I just don't see in your comment where you have told me you hunt. So if you want to email me the name of the piece of public land that you hunt, or send me the GPS coordinates of the farms that you hunt or the leases that you hunt along with a written permission slip for me to go and hunt those pieces of property. Then that's probably the only way we'll know if I'm delusional about my turkey hunting abilities or not. Put your money where your mouth is. After all, if you're right, you have nothing to worry about. Your turkeys are safe. My email address is andy at I am Dot com. Okay, so now we're going to jump into some turkey news because it's been about three months since I've given you guys any turkey news and there are a lot of states out there that are posting their results from this past spring's hunting season. And I'm going to start with Missouri. Missouri spring turkey hunters checked 36,231 turkeys during the 2019 spring turkey season. That's 36,231 turkeys. If you add in the 2,546 birds that were checked during the youth season, then the total harvest is 38,777 turkeys compared to 35,801 checked turkeys in the 2018 season. A higher harvest is good news, isn't it? Well, the even better news is that there were zero reported hunting incidents during the 2019 spring turkey season in Missouri. And as impressive as killing statewide 38,777 turkeys is to me, I think it's just as impressive that there were zero, zero reported hunting incidents. Hey guys, It is official. It's official. Hands down. Close the book. End of discussion. It's official. Nebraska is the best turkey hunting destination in the U.S., and that is according to Governor Pete Ricketts of Nebraska. So for the fourth year in a row, he has declared that Nebraska is the best place to hunt turkeys in the U.S., and he's listed a few reasons why he says that. The first reason is, he says, we are a hunter-friendly state, and thousands of hunters from Nebraska and across the nation choose to hunt here year after year, providing tremendous economic benefits to our state. Another reason he says Nebraska is the best turkey hunting destination in the U.S. is because hunters in Nebraska can enjoy long seasons in the spring and fall. That's about 68 days in the spring and about 140 days in the fall. There are more than 1 million acres of land that are open to public hunting in the state. Nebraska offers very inexpensive permits for youth hunters who want to hunt turkeys in that state. And there's an unlimited number of turkey permits that are available. Each hunter can purchase up to three permits for the spring season and up to two for the fall season so what do you think can you make an argument that nebraska is not the best turkey hunting destination in the u.s if so email me i'd love to hear your thoughts i'd love to hear why you think your state is the best turkey hunting destination in the u.s and no i'm not going to pick your opinion apart on the show but i will read it to everyone so send those in Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com. Number three, the West Virginia Department of Natural Resource reports that hunters bagged 11,210 gobblers. That's about a 1,000 fewer birds than were reported in the 2018 spring season, but the 2019 season represents about a 3% increase over the five-year average and a 9% increase over the 10-year average of harvest in the state. Oh, and by the way, for next year in West Virginia, the youth season has been expanded to two days. So you West Virginia turkey hunters, make some plans to be in the woods with the ute both days of the spring 2020 ute turkey season. The fourth piece of turkey news that I have for you guys is you can now buy your wild turkey socks on my Etsy store. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, what? in the world is he talking about? Well, if you'll go to www.etsy, that's dot com. there's a little search bar in the upper left-hand part of the screen. And in that search bar, type in wild turkey socks. Click the search button and you'll be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. I have on a pair of my wild turkey socks right now. And I've got to tell you, Pretty darn comfortable in addition to being extremely stylish. So if you want to show off your love of the wild turkey in a very unique way. Go buy you a pair of wild turkey socks. Or buy the Grand Slam of wild turkey socks. And buy all four pairs. I've just put those out there today. So if you go buy a pair or two of of wild turkey socks and start wearing them as soon as you get them, I will make you a guarantee. And the guarantee is you will be the envy of all of your turkey hunting buddies. All right, number five, Illinois. The Illinois preliminary harvest numbers are in, and turkey hunters in Illinois reported 15,189 wild turkeys during the 2019 spring turkey season. Now, that number is almost 1,700 birds more than were harvested in 2018, and it's not far off of the statewide record total that was set in 2006 with 16,569. Turkey hunters in Iowa reported almost 11,400 turkeys this spring, compared to about 11,700 in 2018. Also, the Iowa DNR wants all of its citizens to help with its annual turkey production estimates by reporting turkeys seen during July and August. And there's going to be a link on the DNR website where anyone who has seen a turkey can report the sighting. And any of you guys that live in Iowa, please do that. And in fact, there's two or three or four other states that I'm about to hit on that are doing that and if you live in those states participate in those surveys it really does help our wildlife officials get a better idea of what's going on with our turkey populations all right now i see stories like this next one from time to time but i can honestly say i've never heard of any cities in alabama having this problem there are wild turkeys causing trouble in willoughby ohio according to residents. And I'm going to read the article to you guys. So the article is by Suzanne Stratford with Fox 8 Cleveland, and this is on the fox8.com website. The title of the article says, wild turkeys causing trouble in Willoughby, residents say. Gobblers gone wild. Some testy turkeys have been reported roaming the Chagrin River Park in Willoughby and fanning out into nearby neighborhoods along Reeves Road. I've seen them chase a few people and they've made crossing streets difficult, said Dan Cameron. I actually saw someone honking at them the other day and they ran up on the car and started pecking at the tire and the fender on the car. Wild turkeys went extinct in Ohio back in the early 1900s, but according to the Ohio Department of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife, they were reintroduced in the 1950s and have been thriving in recent years. It was like the turkey apocalypse, said Cameron, after waking up and seeing 17 in his yard. Another homeowner, Noel Canina, found nearly 40 in front of her home. In fact, she says although they roost in the metro park, at least a handful strut over to her house every day to dine on her property because of her trees. Apparently, they like the pin oaks, which is a smaller acorn, said Canina. The turkeys usually keep their place in the pecking order and avoid humans, but they are more active and potentially aggressive right now because of the time of year. Breeding season just peaked in April nesting and hatching season peaks May through June. Males in particular can become defensive if a human gets too close to a female hen or the nest. (sighs) They're kind souls. They just get a bad rap, said Canina. Wildlife experts say humans have to do their part and can prevent ruffling any feathers by following a few simple tips. And the article goes on from there. I'm not going to say anything about the line in the article that says that males in particular can become defensive if a human gets too close to a female hen as opposed to a male hen or the nest. I'm just going to skip that Part and say, speaking of Ohio, hunters there reported harvesting 19,088 wild turkeys during the 2019 spring season. That is down 15% from 2018, according to the Ohio Natural Resources Division of Wildlife. Just for perspective, the record spring harvest was reported in 2001 with 26,156 wild turkeys taken so ohio hunters i hope you were listening when i mentioned that residents in willoughby ohio are overrun with turkeys right now maybe you'll use that in the fall or in the spring to your advantage the rhode island department of environmental management wants those people who see hen and poult turkeys to participate in their brood survey online this spring participants should note the date location and total number of hens and poults seen. The Department of Environmental Management also reports that 270 turkeys were reported harvested during the 2019 spring season, and that is 80 birds more than the 190 reported during 2018. The state agency says the increase in the harvest is likely due to the bag limit being increased from one to two birds for this spring. Maryland turkey hunters report 4,002 turkeys harvested during their 2019 spring season, and that is the second largest harvest on record and a 141 bird increase over 2018's reported harvest. Now, listen up to this one. In case, like me for the past few months, you've had your head wrapped up in camo and have not been paying attention, more hunting opportunities are being opened up on our hunting properties across the U.S. as 74 wildlife refuges and 15 national fish hatcheries, totaling about 1.4 million acres, are being opened up by the Department of the Interior. Salt Plains, Sequoia, Tishomingo, and Wichita Mountains are among those that are being opened up for turkey hunting. And something that I think is just as important to note as the land being opened up, is that hunting regulations on these federal properties are being changed to be more in line with the state regulations for the states that the lands are located in. And I think that just makes it easier for us hunters to be able to go and hunt those properties without having to learn an additional set of regulations or additional limitations on how and when we can hunt there. Arkansas Game and Fish is opening up the state's annual wild turkey brood survey to the general public for the first time, thanks to a new online surveying tool. Hey, Alabama Conservation Advisory Board and wildlife officials, are you listening and paying attention? Listen closely. Arkansas turkey hunters can go to www.agfc.com slash turkey surveys to complete the survey and let the officials know where they're seeing hens and poults. I really wish Alabama would do this. It can't be that difficult, and it would give our wildlife officials a much better idea of how our hatch and recruitment was for the current year. And before I get off the topic of Arkansas, (laughs) I'm going to give you my opinion on something. I really think that Arkansas is taking the right steps to improve their population and turn around the decline in the population that they've been experiencing for probably the last 20 years. And I hope and pray that Arkansas and what they are doing will become the case study for what other states that are experiencing declines in their turkey populations need to be doing. I am impressed with what the gentleman that's now in charge of managing the wild turkey population in the state of arkansas is doing i am impressed with what i saw when i was hunting there this past spring on their public lands and given what little bit of information i know about managing habitat for wild turkeys i really think that arkansas is on the right track only time will tell And I hope that in five years I'm sitting here saying, I told you so, I told you so, which I would never do anyway. Saying I told you so does no good. All right, in Virginia, during the 2019 spring turkey season, 17,929 wild turkeys were reported as harvested. That is an increase of 11% compared to the 2018 season. Now, despite that good news, state biologists are expecting the 2020 season to be a pretty tough one for hunters because of very poor production in 2018. And I would assume that's from all the rain and wet weather that you guys had in Virginia last year. Hey, something else that's pretty cool in addition to wild turkey socks is that Primo's has opened a custom mill shop for turkey hunters to order a completely custom box call. Apparently, all calls are gonna be built on the Primo's Heartbreaker design, Then hunters can choose whether they want a cherry or maple lid and choose the carvings on the call from there. These calls are going to run about $150, and that includes shipping, and they're going to be shipped within about 15 days from ordering. Wisconsin turkey hunters registered 38,556 wild turkeys during the 2019 spring season, and this is the second lowest harvest number in the past 20 years. In 2018, hunters reported 38,885 turkeys harvested. So this year's number is just barely below that, but it is 15% below the 15 year average. Now the wildlife officials in Wisconsin are thinking that the 2018 and 2019 harvest numbers represent a new normal harvest rate For the state, since their turkey population seems to have kind of leveled out after its peak many years ago. Now, you're almost caught up on most of the recent wild turkey news. So, how would you like to listen to my call from this week with Jeff Buds, where I called him just to check and see how his 2019 spring turkey season was? Here's Jeff to give us the short and sweet of his 2019 spring season. Listen in, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today the one, the only turkey hunting machine, Jeff Buds. And I wanted to check in with Jeff and I'm doing this with a lot of people that I have on the show fairly regularly. I want to check in with him and just see how their turkey season went this past spring. So, Jeff, how are you today?
1: I'm well, Andy. Thanks a lot for the intro. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come and join us and let us live vicariously through you for a little bit. Yeah.
1: It's my
0: pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah. So, how did everything go this season? And I want to kind of go with this from two different angles because you kind of have two different seasons. You have Jeff Budd's season. And then you have Jeff Buds, the guide, helping all these people get either get their Grand Slam or complete their Grand Slam a lot of them with their Osceola. so how let's let's talk about your season personally first. How did everything go for you?
1: Good. i it fantastic. got everything accomplished that I wanted to, and you know finished another uh, what two. I got two spring slams and I finished my hundred and then I got a real quick to, everybody kept saying, what can you ever do after a hundred? You're going to stop. And I said, no, I'm going to then go for 104, 108, 112. Mm -hmm. But besides that, I wanted to sort of do something fun. So I did a slam in two days. So I, I got my, I doubled with my wife to get, on a Tuesday morning, and we, I got my hundredth, and she got hers, her Osceola, and then uh, that afternoon I got my hundred and first, and then got in a plane and went, uh, flew to Kansas City. Got there at midnight. Uh, I had left, staged my car there, flown back actually Orlando, jumped in the car, drove to South Kansas, right on Oklahoma Missouri border. Woke up, got a fly down Eastern. And drove west to Western Kansas. Got a Rio. Drove uh, eleven hours, ten hours to Nebraska. Didn't didn't sleep that night. And got a woke up to oh my gosh, it was still cold out there, and there was probably two hundred birds roosted in sight. It was amazing, and got two beautiful Miriams. And besides that, I had a good buddy of mine who helped me do some guiding this spring, Blake Rice, and he got his. As well, so it did did two slams, and mine was forty five hours, fifty six minutes, wow. and his he the birds zigged and the Miriams, but he got his. It took two more two and a half hours a little more for his to finish his. but so two slams and in that in less than two days, forty eight hours, it was amazing. So wow. then off to the races. so it was it was a barn burner. And you know, I think about it. I had. Two birds this spring, myself, that I went out or by myself. But besides that, I'm with somebody from, you know, when the season opens down here, first of March until I finished uh, May, whatever, 10th, whatever, right before Mother's Day. So 10 weeks, and uh, I think it was 160 birds, me and all the clients and such. And wow. so there, you know, you asked what me personally and I've, I, I don't do, I don't do much personally. I mean, and it, it, I'm not crying in my milk because I, I enjoy know. so much being with so many other people. Yeah. I do enjoy when I do get out, but the days of me just, you know, jumping in my truck, living out of my truck and hunting by myself for two months. That's a distant memory,
0: you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that at least with me, that's kind of a given because I know your business is guiding. And so, you know, that takes priority. That takes precedent over your own personal hunting. And so really for you to do what you've done in the number of grand slams that you've gotten underneath your belt, it really makes it that much more impressive because it's not like you're spending an entire season hunting on your own to do it. So, yeah. you know, that's the cool part for me, you know, at least the way I well, look
1: at it. Well, and I, and I think a long time ago, uh, not I think, I know, you know, and I've told people this a lot, you know, in, out of college, and I take it a year off before some of my friends were a little bit ahead of me. And and uh, one of them said, oh, I'm selling my guns a couple years later. And uh, I said, what? And he said, yeah, my wife doesn't want me to hunt anymore. And it just clicked. And I said, oh, huh? well, I've got to do something that I know – It can't ever be taken away from me. And two things, I made it a living and I got my family involved. And I say family, my, my girlfriend and then wife now, and as you heard, my son, who's a year last week and wants lunch. Hmm. So I got them, Jenna, who you talked to earlier, 14. You know, she got a double slam last year. Her sister, who's 10, she's going to get her first Grand Slam, finish her first Grand Slam next spring. So I keep everybody involved, and I made it a living. And with those two things, it'll always not only be a part of my life, but be a way of life for for the Buds family, you know, which is pretty fun. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, that's cool. So I know you started – the spring or when spring rolled around you were sitting at 99 slams so in florida you can kill two birds in the spring and two in the fall is that correct
1: that's it and that's and everybody asked me you know i mean i've had people like literally call me a liar that i haven't gotten as many slams as i have and i said you know what 20 22 years at four and you can look at all the records i have licenses and pictures of all my birds and documentation and whatever, but, but for at 22 is 88. And then I shot some off a reservation down here that they closed it to non tribal members, but I got 11 off of those guys. And then I had got some single slamps before I started almost for a year. Right. So it equal it equals up instantly. I mean, in, in 15 seconds on the back of a napkin, you can look and say, okay, yep. That's how he did it. And anybody can do it. But you just yeah. got it starts and ends with the Osceola, four Osceolas a year. And to come down and do it spring and fall. You only get two in the spring and two in the fall. You know, it's it's a it's a feat, you know. And that's yeah. everything else. Heck, in one spring you could shoot and I've never looked at every season, but I bet you you I know oh, you could oh, shoot a hundred Easterns. Oh. I bet you could shoot <laughs> I don't know about total Rios and Miriams, but I bet fifty of each. So in yeah. in a couple of years, a guy could guy could rack up as many as you wanted there, but you can only you can only do four four Osceola's a year,
0: and that's it. Yep. And one place to go to get them. So that's they control it. everything, no doubt. Yeah, I mean I know you, so I know the kind of records you keep, and. If you say it's 101 right now, the last thing I'm gonna do is question you because I know if I do, the next thing that's gonna happen is the book's gonna come out <laughs> and you're gonna start showing pictures and you're gonna say, I did this, these two then, I did these two then, you've got everything documented. I, I've, I've never seen when it comes to hunting, someone with such detailed records as, as what you've got. So that is pretty impressive. So for 2020, Are you booked up as far as your Osceola's and or your clients for your Grand Slams?
1: No. And it's funny. I tell everybody. I have so many people that repeat with me for the Osceola. And in the last three years, I've been doing the Grand Slam because there's just so much need. I did, well, two for myself. And then I did 13 total. So 11, took 11 Grand Slams with other guys, two doubles. And then the rest were singles. But I can always find more birds. So, and I tell everybody people call me, oh, we want money, we want dates, deposits, all this stuff. And I say, just give me till June because I'm wrapping up with, I mean, from, you know, it starts in January, goes to Turkey Convention, goes to me, scouting, youth season, opener of Southern Zone and then Central Zone. And then I get on the road and then I'm gone. And it's, and especially, you know, now married and with a little one, it's, revolutionized the, the yeah i'm gonna be gone now whatever i mean it's as you know you're a family man and most all your listeners are and that's the the fly in the ointment when it comes to juggling everybody making everybody happy bosses uh, you name it yeah. lawns dogs the whole shooting match but i literally this weekend sat on the computer and redid some some of my notes and and all and got some people organized and you know, started sending out emails, okay, these dates, these dates, these dates. So, you know, right now, and, you know, it's, I love, you know, everybody talks about, and I know my, your listeners are probably mostly, Republicans and Trump supporters and whatever, I don't care if they are or aren't. But the fact of the matter is, I got denied from Kansas for deer. And it's the first time that they sold out they had 2200 people more put in this year than last year. There's a reason why people are feeling good, you know, and and it's I love it because people are calling me and even in the crunch because I a good reputation, I mean I always had people calling. But when people start puckering up and your business as well, you know when they start feeling bad and and disposable income goes away. But I love it that people call in a year ahead of time. And they're like, Oh, we want to send money. We want to say, we want, you know, and, and I just, I love it. I mean, I, I love the fact that people are, and not just for me. I mean, I keep, I'm, I'm in touch. I have colleagues. I say colleagues, they're competitors, other guys that guide Osceola's and I, we stay in touch and, and they're doing well. And, and, you know, cause it's the only place to finish your grand slam. And, and I love it, but people are, people are calling right it, it, now is really a good time to start nailing dates down. And I mean, I did what a bunch of 85 Osceolas last year and, and then the other Rio Ears, Easterns and Miriams on the road. So double that on total birds, but I had a great season. You know, one guy went home without his bird and I always have one. He shot at two and you know, he's coming back in 2020 opening day yeah. and try and try and finish his grand slam. And, Anyway, but, you know, it's always hunting. We've got a pretty good, pretty strong record, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, those guys that don't get that slam finished on the Osceola and that one a year that you have, that's the man possessed the following year, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's funny. And he told me, and I hunted with him. I got my Louisiana bird with him, and he talked to me more. I mean, this is the epitome of an overthinker. I mean, on the way into the ranch with the guide, he and his buddy saw a couple of toms, and he goes, "No, no, you go get, get one." And he, his buddy went in, and they snuck around and called it, and boom, shot it. On the way into the blinds, first afternoon, <laughs> they came in early and and said, "Well, let's go out in the blind anyway," instead of hunt first thing in the morning. And and then he calls me by six thirty-seven or texts me and said, "Hey, I haven't seen or heard anything where I am. You got another ranch?" And right then I went, oh boy, this is going to be tough. You know, and I'm like, I said, come on. And then he's out just putzing around and he just got in his own way. I mean, the epitome of overthinking it and getting in his own way and not trusting the guide. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes as we all know, turkey hunting turns into deer hunting and a very, a very, very effective way to Turkey hunt is to deer hunt. And I mean by sitting and waiting and waiting them out. And it's a war of attrition. Who's going to do it? And normally the hunter doesn't, you know, the, you know, the bird doesn't come by at the right time, blah, blah, blah. He's sleep whatever, mm-hmm. but, but, and it's, I, I, we've all had to do it. And it's not a fun way, but if you totaled up how many birds you took by going in and and Ah, and Colin and he comes in and all that stuff the big show boy it's far less than far less than any other way you take birds that's the dream that's the goal that's what everybody wants but guess what it doesn't always happen that way and i tell everybody as long my job is to get you a legal bird wherever we are that's my goal safety and legal End of story, but stick with me, have a positive attitude and let's go do this. You know, so it, it, works out, but he's coming back and I'm excited. He's a good guy. And he, he called and told, I mean, we talked a bunch. he's like, man, I can't believe it. I'm so bummed and I'm so sorry. And, you know, and, but anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun, but you know, with that many guys, I mean, heck I had 33 guys in the woods opening weekend. And, wow. you know, it's a barn burner. I've got a lot of help. I've got ranches spread all over, you know, four counties and, and one big one from my big Grand Slam guys and my guys that I'm sort of taking personally in. And, and, but I've got a great crew of guys. I've got a phenomenal property. I mean, this is, I moved down here 18 years ago, 17 years ago, and said, hey, this is the land of opportunity for, this is it. This is for Osceolas and this is how you know, I'm going to get after it and make, make a mark. And I work at it constantly, just trying to nail down the good spots.
0: So. Yes, you do. And, and speaking of working at it constantly, you're just getting back in from a run.
1: Yeah, it starts. I'm, you know, I tell everybody, you know, fit for life and, but really it's hunting and, you know, I'm going elk hunting in September and I always start June one and my goal is to lose 10 pounds and to get up to five miles a day and so we've got all oh, the whole family's going in town today there are, of course kids are out of school and we're going in and I'm not going to get back till late so I had to take a mid-morning run and usually and Hunter was napping or I'd take him I've got a stroller and he just sits and watches and you know so we make it it's literally a family event and you know because everybody it's, it's eating healthy it's act, staying active it's being outdoors it's all that stuff and you know, they all, we all have screen time and we talk about it and stuff, but anyway, keep it out there and doing it, you know, and at 52, it's not as easy as it was, you know, when I was younger. I mean, luckily my, I still sort of wound tight and, and burn it off easy, but yeah. anyway, but shooting my bow every day and running is, you know, I owe it to the animal And, you know, it's, it's fun just to take that time. And, and, you know, my wife shoots, the girls shoot, you know, everybody, we, we make it a family event, you know, all this stuff, just not, it's not just the turkey hunting, but whatever, all we do, you know, we try and keep them out there and active. So.
0: Yeah. Good deal. Buddy. I appreciate you taking time out to come on and share your successes from this season with us. And so I'm going to ask you a question that, I haven't prepared you for it all. So if you want to take a second to think about it, you can. But is there something you learned this year turkey hunting or even relearned this year turkey hunting that you want to share with us that might help us out in the coming seasons?
1: Something I relearned or learned. Yeah. Golly. That's a good one. I think... What I've, and it was after, and you're going to learn real quickly because you're under the pressure of this super slam. I think after that, I, and then I said, oh, I'm going to get all the gauges and I put the pressure on me. And then I did that for two years and I said, nope, forget about it. So, so what I did is I slowed down when I do have the time to, I sense corny but to enjoy it more or to to look at the moments and just you know and especially now with hunter a year old and the girls and family i mean i don't know i i, I think because we're always you know rushed i tell everybody oh go get one state and have two others ready because you can get the one to run to the next one and get the next one and the next one and you know oh i'm at 39 states oh my gosh could i really do it next year and and it's just burn 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 faster, faster more 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 so i i, I think you know as more the, the the more we want and the, the faster we try and go, I mean at some point enough's enough and and fast is too fast or yeah. you know and so I, I I think that's sort of the overall in the last couple of years and and I do know you know so he's one right now he just turned one and my goal is to uh, hello he'll get a grand slam when he's young how young I don't know I'm not going to put a number on it right now because when he gets to hold his little Nerf gun and then his pellet gun and then a 22 and then a 410 then we're going to know but I'm not going to push him to say you're going to do this at this da 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 um but as soon as that first one goes down oh my gosh my days are going to be centered around that little joker i mean the girls are already eating it up and and they they do it when when they, I don't need to push for them. They have a lot of other stuff going, but they and they love it. But I'm thinking that he's probably going to be obsessed with it, like his daddy. And <laughs> as soon as that happens, boy, my days, uh, myself. I mean, so I got what three, four, five years left. So I don't know. Old, old Papa Buds might be settled in around the 120 mark. <laughs> Why this joker starts building his own slams?
0: You never know. So. You there's something about sharing a double with a loved one whether that's just a good hunting buddy or a child or a brother or dad or wife or whoever it is so hopefully you guys can share a lot of doubles together
1: yeah i uh i'm hoping so as as well my friend
0: yeah awesome well good deal man well again i appreciate your time and it's always a pleasure having you on the show i appreciate your friendship and Look forward to getting you on again sometime in the not too distant future. Tell everyone in the family I said hello and you guys have a lot of fun today. All right, Andy. Thanks a lot. You too. Thank Bye. You, Jeff. Goodbye. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Not that 52 is old by any means, especially because I'm not that far away from it at all. But Jeff still gets after it just as hard today as I would imagine he did about 25 years ago. Jeff's a great guy, and I'm glad that he is still having a huge amount of success, both guiding and hunting. Hey, if you guys want to go to Florida and kill an Osceola to complete your Grand Slam or even get your Grand Slam started, give Jeff a call. You can reach him at 217-502-1304. That's 217 217- Five zero two one three zero four, 502-1304 and let him know you heard him on this show, and I'm sure he'll take care of you and get you in a position to get your Osceola turkey. I'm going to be checking in with several of our past guests on the show so they can tell us about their seasons, and you know I'm going to have to ask them for a takeaway from their season as well. So I hope to bring us all another learning opportunity or two. Okay, so before I turn you loose for the week, here's my favor of the week. If you would, go on your podcast player application, if you haven't already done so, and leave a five-star rating and a review for the Turkey Hunter podcast. Doing so helps people who stumble across the show to know whether or not they want to listen to it. So that's a huge help to anyone who stumbles across the show, and it's a huge help to me. And I very much appreciate that. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast.